One of the, one of the things that have, has amazed me uh, for years, and uh, it doesn't take much to amaze me, but, uh, but, but, uh, but this really has, and, and Barbie and I have talked about it quite a few times, is how the Holy Spirit of God can take the Word of God in a, in a message, in, like in a, in a, this morning in a sanctuary, and, and, and can, God's Holy Spirit has a way of taking that message and, and speaking into the hearts and lives of different people uniquely to them. How to feel over here to hear the message this morning and, and, and the Holy Spirit's going to speak directly to Phil and, and Phil think, wow, that's, that's just awesome. And then on the other side of the church here, back, back here is Stephen and the Holy Spirit of God speaks to Stephen entirely something different, but it speaks right into Stephen's life. There's been a lot of times Barbie and I have left services or something and, and Barbie will say, boy, wasn't this awesome? And she'd begin to tell me what God had said to her. And I'm thinking, I, I didn't hear, I, I, did, that, did they say that in the message? Yeah, what was you, and I heard, God spoke to me something entirely. It was awesome. But I think that, that's the, one of the unique things or the many unique things of the Holy Spirit of God taking the word of God and just speaking it right into the very hearts and lives of, of each of us, we need. I think that's one of the reasons that God's word is like a uh, an inexhaustible mine of gems. Is no matter how many times you've read it through, no, no matter how often you read it, you'll be reading. And all of a sudden, you'll say, "My goodness, I've never noticed that before." My goodness, you know. And I've read this over and over and over. It's it's, it's that work of the Holy Spirit of God. So that amazes me. I want to talk to you this morning. And, and before I do, let me give you a couple announcements or I'll forget them. I put them here so I wouldn't. Awake America this Thursday at 1159 at the, at the uh, City Hall. Prayer for our country. And then uh, tomorrow night at, one, at 6 o'clock, First Baptist, there's a, uh, a concert. Uh, the Dignans, uh, Kayla and Kristen, are going to be a part of that concert. Used to come here, so you know about that. It's, it's uh, the same way I've just finished a series of messages on um, why I believe we're living in the last days and then what I've, I felt like were some essentials for, for end times livings. And, uh, it's, it's, uh, and, and I know that, this, that the Holy Spirit, again, takes those messages and speaks them into your lives and people react differently. They, they hear and they react differently to what they hear. Some people will hear uh, some of those messages and, they, and, and the Holy Spirit will quicken and they'll say, wow, man, that's exciting. God, the Lord's coming back. So we need to get busy and we need to be, we need to do this, this, this. And they're, they're checking to be sure that their relationships, the bridges that they have built into the lives of their families and of their friends and the neighbors, uh, you know, are there so that they can go across and, and, and be sure that they can share with them the importance of knowing Jesus as their savior and the importance of being ready to meet the Lord anytime. And other people can hear the same message and, and, and rather than exciting them or encouraging them, rather than rolling up their, their, their shirt sleeves and getting ready to go to work, for them it's, it's, it's a struggle because they, they hear what's, what's happening and, it's, and, and it's, it's a combination of between being depressed or being discouraged and they don't know if they just need to go home or, and, and sell what they have and, and, and move off the grid and just hunker down. And wait on the Lord. Same, same messages and yet different responses. So this morning, um, I, wanted to, I wanted to entitle the message after Forrest Gump. And that's what, all I got to say about that. But, but instead, I've, I've, I've entitled this message, A Final Word on End Times. What, 
what, and, and, and the reason I'm, I'm telling that is because of just the very thing, different responses. What would Jesus have our response to be if we really believe that we're living in the, in, in the, in, in close to his second return? How would he have us living? What would, our, what would his response be? And I think we have that. I think we have that, and I think he's given that to us in the 19th chapter of the book of Luke. If you'll, if you'll turn to Luke with me, now I know that we have just uh, recently, not too long ago for House of Prayer Church family, we finished a study of the book of Luke, and, uh, and, and I preached through this, but I, I didn't highlight this chapter the way that I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to this morning, so it's, I want you to go back with me there. Now, let me put it in perspective. Jesus is, is passing through Jericho down in the Jordan River Valley, and he's getting ready to head up, what is the 14 miles or so, up to Jerusalem. And uh, in Jericho, he is, uh, in, in this particular chapter, he is, uh, as he was passing through, he's, he's, there's been some healing. Blind people have been healed, blind Bartimaeus there. And, and then he, is, he goes under a sycamore tree, and Zacchaeus, this Beloved tax collector is there. No, he's a, he's a hated tax collector. Is uh, is up a tree, without a paddle, and uh, and Jesus invites him down, and he goes to his house. And while Jesus is visiting with Zac in Zacchaeus' home, Zacchaeus believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. Matter of fact, and he reflects that by his uh, the attitude, a change of attitude reveals a change of his heart. And, uh, and, and so Jesus is going to, what he's going to say this morning is kind of in response to that. But at the same time, the, a lot of the Jews have watched, they have watched the miracles. They've watched the blind eyes opened. They've watched Jesus take a little boy's lunch and feed thousands. They've watched as Jesus has even raised the dead back to life. And they are convinced that he is the Messiah, which was accurate. But they are also convinced that it's at this time that he is going to set up his earthly kingdom in Jerusalem. Let's pick it up. We're going to pick it up with verse 9 in Luke chapter 19. It says, And Jesus said unto Zacchaeus, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And as they heard these things, he added and spoke a parable because he was close to Jerusalem and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. Now notice that. They thought now's the time. Now's the time. He's setting up his kingdom. And just in a, in a, in a few days, they would, be willing, they would be to the point of taking him by force and putting him on the throne in Jerusalem, knowing that he's going to kick the Romans back to Rome. He's going to bring the glory days back to Jerusalem, greater than they even were under David and Solomon. And Jesus, because of that, because, what, because they had a, their, their, their conception of the timing of the kingdom of God, it was going to be a while. And Jesus knew because they were ready to receive that for his kingdom to come now. And because when it didn't come, when they thought it would come in the manner that they thought it would come in, there was going to be some uh, confusion. There were going to be some of them that are going to be ready to quit. There are going to be some of them that are going to be saying, how did we miss that? And so he explained this 
through a parable. And I think it's a great parable. I think it also speaks into the very heart and the very core of what we're looking at today as we look and live in these times that the Lord has ordained that you and I should be a part of. Let's look at it. It says, a certain nobleman, Jesus, Jesus speaking, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. So a nobleman is going away with the promise of a return. I'm, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back. But before he left, the nobleman called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. Now, it depends on how you look at this. And there is a, there is a, a correspondence. Not, it's not the same parable. There's a similar parable in Matthew chapter 25. In Matthew chapter 25, you're going to see that Jesus take, gives five talents to one Three talents or two talents to another and then one. Here, if, if it depends on how you read it. He either gave each one ten talents or he gave ten servants a talent apiece or a pound apiece. Really, that, really it doesn't matter, make any difference. But we can get, I know how we are, and, and I think it reads into this parable very easily because we start reading about money and all of a sudden we're figuring it out. <laughs> what are we talking about? Especially when it's not in dollars and cents like we know it. You know, Let's figure out this pound stuff. All right, what is he talking about? How much money is he talking about? Now, I think some translations have here, what, denarii? They may use the word denarii, denarii. Some use mena, mena. Uh, depending on, and I depend on who, you're, who you listen to or read about or try to figure it out. And it really, is, again, it's not about that, but, but a, a mena was like a, a day's wage or a month's wage, uh, uh, you know. So if we're talking about it, one of these, we're talking maybe maybe three months' wages. I don't know. I don't want to. That's something you make $2,000 a month. That's easy for me. So that's $6,000. So let's, let's be generous. We're saying anywhere from six to, to $10,000, okay, to each one. And he gave that to them, and he gave it to them with this, with this understanding. I'm giving you this, and you're to use this to occupy till I come. Now, I believe that, that this understanding of what occupy means is critical to what the Lord would have my mindset and your mindset be as we, as we live in the days in which we currently find ourselves living. As I looked up this word uh, occupy in, in Webster's, it has some... Uh, has some different, uh, two or three different definitions. The first one there was a militarily, uh, uh, you know, a military occupation. Military uh, comes in and, and, and uh, takes control of a territory. They've, uh, they now occupy that territory. We're here in the, when, when in the Middle East of ISIS occupying land, a large portion of lands. It means that they have militarily came in and now they see themselves in control of that. That's one term. That's not what I don't believe. That's what Jesus is using in this parable. Another definition of the word occupy is to, uh, to live in or to dwell in. Do you, uh, you know, are you an occupant? where we get the word occupant. Do you live in this house? Uh, some of you this summer, Christian uh, Robertson uh, was, has, has had a job house-sitting for a neighbor. Now, uh, the neighbor had some... Uh, 
animals that needed to be fed and they were going to be gone for two or three weeks. And knowing Christian, they probably said, okay, we've stocked the refrigerator with food and we just want you to, to live here and, and watch our house. Be sure, you know, the, that uh, everything's okay. House sitting. Some people, by our actions, if we aren't careful, seem to have taken this definition for occupy that Jesus intended, and I don't think it's the wrong definition, rather than house sitting, they're church sitting, pew sitting. Just sit on this pew, take care of it until I come back. Be sure everything's okay. Be sure the electricity's there. Be sure the pastor don't get too wild. Don't let his hair grow too long. Just, you know, church sit. But I think it's the third definition that, uh, that I believe, and I'll tell you why I believe that. It's not just Jerry's opinion. I think Jesus explains it. The third definition of occupy means to busy oneself, to be occupied with. All right, you use it for the word occupation. What's your occupation? What do you do? You know, what do you do? I'm a homemaker, I'm, or I'm a businessman, I'm, a, I'm a, a teacher. What's your occupation? And it has a whole different context. It's, it's entirely different if, uh, if, you, uh, if I say to, to, uh, to our son-in-law, and, and daughter to Tony and Paige, hey, Barbie and I are going to be gone for, for six months, and, and we'd like for y'all to just, how about come over and live it in their house and house sit for us for six months? Just take care of that. Or if I say to, to Tony, Tony, we're going to be gone for six months, and I need you to take care of my business while I'm gone. Now, he's going to say, well, I didn't know you had one. But if I had, let's assume I had one, okay? And, and I said to Tony, here is the checkbook. Here is the bank statement. Your name is, you're authorized. Your signature is as good as mine. I want you to take care of everything while I'm gone. Now, it's quite a different, it's quite a different perspective from Tony's perspective, right? One, he goes there and he said, you know, he kicks back and he said, that good grief, they've got direct TV. You know, we'll, we'll get that football channel and we'll watch that. Honey, they got anything in the refrigerator. What have they got in the freezer? You know, and it's great. You know, hey, get, just keep the lawn mowed, you know, and keep the dogs happy and all this stuff. The other one, he's feeling the responsibility of, 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 of uh, that which is entrusted to him. So I am convinced that it's this one, and let me tell you why I'm convinced as we look at the rest of the story. He gives them each a pound. Let's assume. Go, go with me on that. I'm going to go with one, with one pound here. And he tells them, occupy till I come. Use this. This is operating expense. This is operating capital. Take care of everything till I come back. Okay? Verse 14 is one of the saddest verses. It's tragic to me. But, but, it, but it ties in. With verse 14 to verse 26, but, but, uh, but, and verse 27. But look at verse 14. Verse 14 says, but his citizens hated him and sent a message after him saying, we won't have this fellow to reign over us. Now, it's very possible, I think most likely, when Jesus was telling this parable down in, in Jericho, that he, that he wanted them to see that the Jew, a lot of the Jewish leaders just in a, in a matter of a few days, they're going, to be, they're going to be saying to the Roman Pilate and Herod, he's not our king. We only have one king, and that's Herod. He's not our king. They, re, they, they refused to accept Jesus as a Messiah. Now, I know a lot of priests and many Jews did become believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But as a whole, the Jewish 
religious hierarchy did not. I also think that there's a, there, there's a, there's a principle or there's a, a parallel meaning today. Not necessarily with, with the Jewish leaders, although we look to somewhere, I believe somewhere in the future, there's a part of the, of the tribulation time that's going to deal specifically with the Jewish people. When scripture says they're going to look on the one that they've crucified, they're going to look on the one that they've pierced, and, and, they're, going to, and they're going to say, boy, we really messed up big time. And he's going, to, he's going to redeem back to himself out of every tribe, okay? But there are those people today, we talk about living in, uh, in end times. We talk about living in last days. And there, there, there are people who say, hey, I'm not going to buy that junk. That's, 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 you know, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. And there are even religious people. That say, well, we're not, you know, we're just not, this Jesus y'all talk about, this, this book that you talk about is so narrow and it's so restrictive that it's outdated. We're not going to accept that. We're just going to create our own smorgasbord of religion. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to put on that smorgasbord everything that looks good, sounds good uh, to the world. And if it's, you know, and we'll take a poll and if it's uh, up in the polls, we'll put it on the board. If it's down in the polls, it's out, you know, and we'll do this. And they've done that. Sad. Verse 15 says that it came to pass when he was returned, having received the kingdom. Ah, now the nobleman, just like he said when he left, gave them, a, a, entrusted to each one, gift, a pound, uh, and operating expense, and said, take this and occupy, and I'm coming back. Now, true to his word, he has returned. And with his return, having received the kingdom, there is an accounting of that which he had left or entrusted to each one of his servants. Wow. Wow. This giving an account is not a very popular thing. Wow. And he commanded those servants that he called to be called to him to whom he had given the money so that he could know how much every man had gained by trading. Okay? So he, 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 he calls them. Now he's here and he says, let's, let's see how you have done. Um. Uh, and he asked them to give an account of their, their stewardship. That's, it's a biblical word. It's a good word. It's, and it's a biblical word. Stewardship. It, it's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Look, look at this with me. I'm going to go to two places with this stewardship. 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Brandon's up there. Let me get there. Okay, he says, let a man so account of us. Now, he's talking about to us as Christians, to the believers, when he's writing this in, in Corinthians. Account of us as of the ministers of Christ. And stewards, there's that word, stewards of the mysteries of God. Now, some translations, what have you got there instead of stewards? 1 Corinthians 4, 1. Managers. One translation has the word trustee, 
Uh, huh? Some of you had trustee. So it's, it's this ideal of stewardship is, is taking care of something which is entrusted to your care. Okay? Um, uh, and we, we, uh, here he says that as Christians, and now get this message this morning, because the message is to every one of us who have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior. We're Christians. As Christians, we are awaiting the Lord's promised return. How should we live in light of his return? Well, he's told us that we're to occupy. He's told us also in reading and telling that he's, it's more than church sitting. It's more than taking care of the pews. It means to be engaged actively in kingdom business using the operating or the capital that he's given to us to operate with. So, and knowing that when he returns, every one of us, every servant, ever, every minister is going to give an account, he tells us here in this. And, in, and uh, the writer of Corinthians says here that we're going to give an account as ministers of, and stewards of the mysteries of God. The mysteries of God. It's interesting. I believe that's how, how God uh, moves and how he operates, how he, how he directs, how he saves, how he, how, he, how he builds his kingdom. It's the whole, all of that and more. Verse 2 says, moreover, it is required in stewards. The one significant all encompassing, encompassing, encompassing that <laughs> requirement, requirement for a steward, it says, is that a man be found what? Faithful. Faithful. Can he be trusted to do what I left him to do? Okay, sounds good. Hang on to that. Now go with me to 1 Peter chapter 4. Both of them were chapter 4. So that was easy for me to remember. I hope I've got the books right. But 1 Corinthians and 1 Peter chapter 4. And 1 Peter is talking about this stewardship. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 10. Now he's talking about uh, he's talking in First Peter four. He's talking about again, uh, we're looking for the Lord's return, watching for His return, using the gifts that He's given us. And in verse ten, he says, "As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same." Look at this: one to another, as good. Here's this word: stewards. What up? Of the manifold grace, excuse me, grace of God. So we see that we have been left stewards of the mysteries of God and of the grace of God. And here he says that we are to be faithful and and, and ministering that grace one to another. And in the stewardship, the accountability of that which has been entrusted to our care by Christ before he went away. Now, into every individual, God has poured talents and gifts 
and abilities, different personalities, different, uh, different desires, different passions. And Corinthians says different gifts as he saw fit, as God seemed fit. Now, just, just uh, since I'm fumbling around, just interesting, and I didn't, the guys didn't have this, but just listen to this. In Mark 13, there's a very similar, I'm going to give you the verse, and you can look it up later, but don't need to go there. In Mark, verse, Mark 13, verse 34, it says, um, 32, 33, 34, it says, But of that day and that hour knows no man, not even the angels which is in heaven, neither the Son, only the Father. Take heed, watch, and pray, for you know when the time has come, for the Son of Man is as a man taken a far journey, who left his house and gave authority to his servants. Sound familiar? Now listen. Now listen to this part. Mark 13, 34. Listen. And to every man his work. Every believer sitting out here this morning, every Christian, I don't care how young you are. I don't care how old you are. I don't care the disabilities that you have, how mentally challenged we may be or how follically challenged we are or all these things. Sally came up to me this morning. Kathy came up to me. She said, now just tell me my name. And I said, I called you Sally last week. And I knew, where are you, Kathy? Right here. And and, and I said, I called you Sally last week. And she looked at me and, and she's so gracious. She said, well, normally, Pastor, you're so good with names. I said, Kathy, listen to what you said. It's that word. Normally, normally, sometimes things aren't normal. How normal things are with us or how abnormal things may be with the season of life that we find ourselves in. To every one of us, God has given a work. You say, Pastor, where'd you get that? Well, we just read it from God's word, Mark 13, 34. We can read it here to every one of his servants. He has entrusted God's entrusted to each one. Now, the, difference, the, the abilities he's left Zach and Nicole with are abilities and talents that he may not have left Dana and Karen with or Joe and whatever his wife, Linda, with. You know? they're, they're different. <laughs> I can't go there. I better stay with the word. All right. So as, as we look at this, notice what happens. He, he, he calls them together now to give an account. Let's look at this. Back in, in Luke 19. And verse 16 says, then came the first saying, Lord, your pound has gained 10 pounds. And he said unto him, well done, thou good servant, because you have been faithful in a little, have authority over 10 cities. And the second one came saying, Lord, your pound has gained five pounds. And likewise, the nobleman said to him, be also over five cities. And then another came saying, Lord, here's what you gave me. Here's your pound, which I've kept hid, buried out in the backyard, kept in a jar somewhere. And then he explains why he didn't use it. Look, he said to him, because I was afraid to use it, Lord, because I know you're a heart. The word there, austere, King James says austere man. I think other translations have harsh, hard. Mark uses the word hard. He's tight. Jack, Jack McKechnie this morning, Jack's retired businessman, he said he was tight. He was tight with his money. You know? he, he, he says, 
Because I knew that you were, you were tight, you were hard. You reap where you don't sow. And, uh, and you take what, you, what you've not laid down. And he said, I was afraid I was going to lose it. Therefore, I've kept what you gave me. And here it is. And the nobleman says, look at this. Out of your own mouth, I will judge you, you wicked servant. He didn't mince words. No wonder they called him a hard noble man. Ah, Jackie, if that had been me, I'd have been a weak little man. I would have never used those words. A, a, a wicked servant. I would have probably said, well, bless your heart. You meant well. You know, you know how it is. No. No, there's, there's, there's more important things here than just being liked or, or, or a personality. The, the master said, you're out of your own mouth, you wicked servant. You knew that I take up where I don't lay down. You knew I reap where I don't sow. Wherefore then gave us thou don't. He said, then why didn't you at least take this money and put it in the bank so I could have got interest when I returned? I don't know what that is today. Maybe a percent, maybe half of a percent or a third of a percent. It wouldn't be much. But God said, at least, I mean, but the nobleman said, at least I'd got interest. But you didn't do it. And then he says to them that are there, take from him that had the one pound and give it to the ten, the one that has tens. And they said, he's already got ten, Lord. And then Jesus telling the story says, no one said, and everyone that hath shall be given to him that hath not even be taken away that it doesn't have. And then he says this, verse 27, but those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them. Bring here, I don't like it, I, I would have changed the story if I'd have been Jesus, but Jesus wanted us to hear it the way he said it, not the way Jerry Hilton would have changed it. He said, the nobleman said, bring them here and slay them before me. Wow. Now let me ask you a question. What made the one who presented the pound that had gained 10 pound, was he faithful? Huh? Yes, he was faithful. What made him faithful? The fact that his investment had returned tenfold? Huh? He was obedient. He was obedient. Take this, occupy, get involved, use it. When I come back, I'm on, I wanna, I'll check the books. He used it. Now, the one that invested a pound and made five pounds return, was he faithful? Huh? Yes. Why was he faithful? Because it had gained five pounds? No, because it was obedient. And so he says to him, well done, good and faithful servant. Now, the one that had the one pound, he gave back to him that which is entrusted to him. But the nobleman called him a wicked servant. Why? He was disobedient. How was he disobedient? Because the nobleman had told him, take this and use it for my kingdom. When I come back, we'll check on it. And he, out of fear, does it say that? It did. Dad, gum. He, out of fear, said, I'm afraid I'll lose it. What if I lose it? The nobleman said, take this and use it. He said, no, 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 no. I'm going to take it and I'll have it to give back to you when you come back. He was disobedient to that which was entrusted to his care. Now, bring this home. Bring this all home. 
God has given to you and to me stewardship. Corinthians says of the mercies of, I mean, of the, the mysteries of God. Some of you have seen God work in ways that others of us just, just, it just amazes us. All of us have a story of how he's working in, in your life and in your family. It's awesome. Angela, Angela uh, shared with me this morning, Whitener. Awesome. God working, saving her daughter and her son-in-law. Where are you, Angela? You may, she may have gone to Grape Creek already. They live 50 miles way over in past Hanging Dog. So Angie, Angie's on her way home. Uh, she's faithful. But she came up, she's so excited. You know, over a year ago, we were praying for her daughter. Man, what a, what a, what a hard stuff, some stuff going on. Prayed for a daughter in the hospital up here. Daughter was an alcoholic, was addicted to prescription pills. Family was in chaos. She came up here and she said, Jerry, last night, my daughter and my son-in-law both went to the altar, gave their hearts to the Lord. God's working. You got stories to tell. <laughs> stories to tell. Each of us are entrusted as stewards of the mysteries of God. And each of us are entrusted as stewards of the grace of God. I have been graced much. And I love the ideal there in 1 Peter 4.10 when he says, "And, and we are to minister this grace one to another. Do you realize that? How gracious how kind? What is grace? What, what, what is said? Mercy is, is not receiving what you deserve. Is that mercy? I, I think I'm getting this right. And grace is receiving that which you do not deserve. Right? For by grace are you saved through faith. It's a gift of God. We don't deserve it. He wants to give it to us. Not of yourselves. Not of works lest any man should boast. God is gracing us. Blessing us with his peace. You thought you'd never have peace. And all of a sudden Christ is in your life. And there's peace. And you don't understand it. It's all new. There's joy. There's purpose. There's a sense that somebody's for you, not always against you. There's grace. And when we have been graced, how much more do we have responsibility, stewardship of bestowing that grace on others? Amen. To him much is given, much is required. Have you been graced a lot? Then you are be the biggest grace giver in the world. Yeah? If you haven't been graced much, come and talk to me. I bet you've been graced more than you realize. All right, stewardships of this. Now, listen. We talk about God, God has created everything. There, there's a, can't go with, I, I, I didn't do it for a service, but go with me to the Psalms 50. You're just getting to eat something they didn't even get the snack on. I told them about it. Psalms 50. I have more time with you. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's interesting, isn't it? <laughs> Psalm 50. I, I just, I, I love this. Look, look at this. And, and I, I just, just think with me just for a second. It says, the mighty God, even the Lord has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun to the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God has shined. Our God shall come and shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous around about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth, and that he may judge his people. 
Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, for God is judge himself. Hear, O my people, verse 7 says, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against you. I am God, even your God. I will not reprove you for the sacrifices or your burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of your house, nor he goats out of the folds. For every, look at this, verse 10. For every beast of the forest is mine. And this is where we get to see it. And the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains and the wild beasts of the field, they're mine. If I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. For the world is mine and the fullness thereof. What's he saying? I think what he's saying when I read Psalm 50 is God is pretty, pretty much off the grid. He don't need, he don't need my, he don't, he don't need anything from you or me necessarily. Now, let me just throw something, let me finish reading a couple of verses here. How far did I go on that verse? He says, uh, uh, will I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto God thanksgiving and pay your vows unto the most high and call upon me in the day of trouble. I'll deliver you and you'll glorify me. But unto the wicked, verse 16, and I'm gonna start with the first part of 17, but 16. But unto the wicked, God says, what have you to do to, de- what hast thou to do to declare my statutes or that you shouldest take my covenant in your mouth, seeing thou hast instruction and castest my words behind you. That sounds so much like the servant who was disobedient. He heard the same thing the other servants heard. Here, take this. This is operating expense. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. But he took it. I love the way it says it in Psalms. But he took God's words and cast it behind him. What are you going to do with God's word? Occupy till I come. He owns everything. He created everything. The air. The water, sunshine, the health that you and I have to earn money. The health, you, know, you know how come we're able to work if we have a job and we're still working? It's because God gives us the strength and a job to work at. It's from him. He can, he can snap his fingers or say the word. And you and I, we couldn't move a muscle. The air we breathe, every breath we have. You realize every breath we have is a gift from God for service. Kathy Stubblefield was singing in the praise band. And she, she and those of you who know Kathy know she has a, a, a problem. It's almost like asthmatic, but they don't know what it is. And, and, and as soon as she got off the stage, uh, her airway just closed. We had some great people, fast-thinking people. They, they gave her an EpiPen, but the time they got to Pat Caldwell Bridge, she was almost unresponsive. The time they got to the ER, uh, there was a doctor was right there, and, and, and so she's stable and she's breathing again. But I'm telling you, it don't take long when you can't get a breath of air for things to get serious, right? Some of you have been there. Some of you have been there. Every breath that we breathe, we sing this. Every breath that I take, it's a gift from God. It's a gift from God. I can't, I don't have that control. I can't say to you, I'm going to be alive this afternoon at 5 o'clock. No more than you can say it to me. By the grace of God, if he wills, I'll be here. If he doesn't will, I'm in his hands. Everything that I do, these things are all placed in our hands, our, our days, our times. I don't know 
how many years I have left, the Lord could come back. We're looking for him to return. But let's, let's assume it doesn't need to turn. If I got 15, I don't know. Some of you are saying, well, I've got a lot longer than that. You don't know. If the Lord wills, if he doesn't, we go home. There's going to be an accounting one day of that which has been entrusted to our care. That's been placed in my hands. Have I used them for his glory? There'll be a reckoning. They aren't, I don't own them. They've just been given to me to occupy till he comes. This is, now let me ask you a question. Understanding Psalms 50. The earth is the Lord's, the fullness thereof, the cattle on the Did the nobleman, and if Jesus is telling this parable about him, which I believe he is, does God, did God, did the nobleman need the money? Was it about the money? No. No. I read this. Now, it's hard for us to conceptualize that, right? Because, again, we're money. We're the bottom line thing. But we look at this. And I'm convinced that, especially when it comes to you and me, and how do we live in the last days? It is so good to see the Gucci's. I just now saw you, you guys. To see this, the last days in which we live, okay? Paul Bilheimer wrote a book, first book he ever wrote, called Destined for the Throne. Was that, yeah, Destined for the Throne. And in the book, the whole concept, concept was that you and I are created to rule and reign with God in eternity, Okay? And I'm convinced in the looking at this, these parables that he's given us, I believe that you and I being chose to be alive. See, I've always thought I was living in the wrong time. I often thought, man, you know, you could, why, why wasn't I born back when the, you know, Daniel Boone, I like Daniel Boone, I could do that. It probably wasn't as romantic as the movie Daniel Boone. I like watching that though. Boy, I, Lord, I, you know, I'd love it if all I had to do was think about just hunting and fishing and trapping, forget the Indians, don't think... I'm convinced, scripture tells us that we are alive, you and I are here by God's design right now. It's not an accident. He didn't just set things in motion and step back and say, well, whoever's alive then's alive then, whoever's not, well, that's it. No. I believe we are here by divine decree, each one of us. That's exciting because each one of us has a work to do that he's expecting us to do as we look for his return and he is going to return. We have that responsibility. It's not about the money. It's about developing faithfulness, obedience in you and in me. What does that look like? And why? And I'm, I, am, I am really am closing this. Um, because I've thought about this, I've thought about it for several, for a good while, is it's, op- it's helping us to prepare to get ready to rule and reign with him. I, you see, some people think when they go to heaven, it's going to be like, a, we're just going to be like a bunch of little Casper spirits floating around, Ooh, you know, and maybe we'll be singing, maybe we'll sing it in tune. No, 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 no. That concept is so limited, it's not even biblical. It's not. We're going to be rejoicing. We're going to be praising him. But scripture says we're going to be ruling and reigning with him. What? That's just, you start thinking about that and you're going, wow, man. You know, streets of gold, river of life, marriage supper. I mean, there is some stuff there for the believers, for Christians, for children of God. Okay. But until he comes, I believe, occupy until he comes is, is every one of us, every believer, 
taking full advantage of every opportunity and helping create, doing things to create those opportunities to be about kingdom business. If you volunteer, if you volunteer for, say you're volunteered uh, to cook, uh, help cook a Wednesday evening meal, or say, say you volunteered for, to cook at camp, one of the three weeks camp, 7,800 meals in three weeks, honey, you got it easy at home. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and let's say you were, you, were, you were volunteering out there at, at camp and you were peeling potatoes. And you're peeling those potatoes so that you can feed the kids so that someone can share the gospel, so that counselors can talk to them about bedtime. And everything, and a potato, you're out there peeling potato as, for Jesus is just as significant as the person who's going to be standing up sharing the gospel that night. And you say, no, pastor, that can't be. That can't be. I'm just a potato peeler. If you're peeling that potato for the Lord, and you're saying, I'm doing this because I'm, and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying, Lord, that the kid that eats this potato just gets so filled. Maybe there'll be a missionary one day. Lord, Cut that thing in four, four missionaries. You know, everything we do. If, you're a, if you volunteer at the, at, the, at the cottage or at Elijah's closet. We talked, I talked about this to Nancy and Lola. We, got, we talked about this the other day. So excited. We have an opportunity to practically meet some very practical needs of people. Clothing and feeding them, okay? But I want to tell you, the ministry of the closet and, the, and, and of the, the, the cottage is far greater than just food and clothing, because if you go into eternity well-clothed and well-fed and your soul has not been, is not ready to meet the Lord, you're of all people miserable. And we have not done our job. Our job is to minister God's grace and God's mercy and along the way to build bridges so that we can come across and let people know that God loves them and that we love them. And maybe one day we can share the gospel with them and see them come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's everything we do. Everything we do. Upward evaluations, VBS, Canal Lake Bible Camp. It's everything. Yesterday, uh, Friday, we, uh, we, we had the privilege of, uh, of eating in Bryson City at the Iron Skillet. Now, I'll just tell you, I'm putting a plug in for the Iron Skillet. Merle and Judy White, Merle was a trustee here. And, uh, and Merle and Judy, faithful members here, they both are in home with the Lord now. Their son, Tim, and his wife, Lori, own and run the Iron Skillet, downtown Bryson City. Great restaurant. I had steak and shrimp. I don't going to go into that. But, but what I want to, the reason I'm sharing that is to share this. We walk in there, Tim's there. And so I say, Tim, uh, how's Tiffany? Tiffany is their, is their daughter, was their daughter. They have Tiffany and Jonathan. They used to come here. Tiffany started coming and staying in the summers with Merle and Judy. She would come to VBS. She's a little bitty red-headed girl with just freckles. And then she, and then she grew up. She got, started coming to camp, got saved. And uh, he said, Jury. He said, she... That Bible camp was so influential in her life. She says, I want to tell you something. He said she's beginning her third year as a teacher of a Christian school down in McDonough, Georgia. He said she teaches uh, drama, but he said it all goes back to, she says, what God did for her at Canalic Bible Camp when she was a kid. Folks, that is fruit that remains. And people along the way were peeling potatoes or breaking beans. People grow garden, they bring them and string their beans so that kids could eat. And they say, what am I doing? Everything we do, if we do it for the Lord... It's occupying till he comes. So what does God want our, I, I could go on, I could talk about if it's a library. What do you do, you know, being faithful in the library, it's out of the way. We, our plans were to get out there and we and still, still put it here, we put it out there and now it's grown bigger than anything we'd have here. But, but uh, a lot of people, you know, don't take the time, you can't get out there, you don't need it, but it's there. 
or, or whether it's the cleaning of the church. I've told you stories about how that God just spoke to Barbie and when, when she was the, the, the everything, you know, she, when she was the, the janitor and she was the, uh, the secretary and she was all the, the, the financial person, everything, and how that she was grumbling to the Lord one day because she was down under the pews in those sanctuary and she was cleaning chewing gum that people stuck under the, under the, under the pew. And you're thinking a bunch of dad, Jim, heathen, surely they can not even stick the chewing gum under that. And how that God just spoke to her. Because, because, you know, those of you know my wife, I mean, she is so sharp and she is so she organized. And so she, start, she was thinking, I know who sat here. <laughs> That'll mess you up on it. Now, some of you don't, don't lean forward now. But if some of you, if any of you have stuck anything under your pew, take it with you when you leave. Anyway, I'm just messing with you. But, but how did the Lord, begin, the Lord said to her, Barbie? You can get mad and fuss, and you'll be miserable. Or you can use it every opportunity to pray for who, if you know who's sitting in that pew, pray for them. When you clean the commodes, pray for them. Where there's clean of the church. We do this so that people can come and worship in a, in a good atmosphere. And if you do it unto the Lord with the right attitude, there is a reward. Scripture says if you give just a cup of cool water in his name, there is a reward. Don't take that which has been trusted to your care and hide it in the earth and do nothing out of fear. Occupy. Occupy till he comes. Goodness gracious, that's exciting to me. That's all. I'm through. I'm through. I don't even know how I ended it in here. It was better on this. Jesus, thank you so much. For the truths of your word, ah, it's, it's easy sometimes, Lord, in the light we look and we look around us. Father, I'm, I'm convinced, I'm excited for those men that are committed to Joshua's warriors. It's, it's encouraging, it's informing, it's equipping us to be salt and light in a culture that's dark and spoiling. We need to be involved. Lord, for those of us that teach we need to be students of your word, rightly dividing the word of God, then not so we won't be ashamed. Lord, help us to do that as unto you. Help us, Lord, those of that are burdened and called. Lord, help us to watch and to pray and to be about sharing, being stewards of the grace of God and the mysteries of God. As we look for your return. In Jesus, I pray. Take your word. Let the Holy Spirit of God do in our lives what you want to do. In your name I pray. Amen. God bless you.